Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to another edition of Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. We continue our series on each of the position groups ahead of 2020's fall camp, assuming there's a football season, which is looking a lot better. Joining me tonight is my always co-host, John Schneider. John, how are you this evening? Doing pretty well. Talking about my old positions, defensive line this evening. My first love was always playing defense. I loved being down in the middle in the trenches and was one of those fight a minute for the entire game. While everybody else is prancing around, you were out there wrestling and, and pushing and tugging and shoving, and it was always kind of fun. But yeah, tonight we'll we'll start with the with the defensive line. We'll start with the defensive end position, and we'll look at, take a look at what we have coming in this year. Coming over from Youngstown State was Justice Reed, a pretty high impact transfer. Started his career at Florida, had some injury luck. This is actually his sixth collegiate season. He was the, one of the top players in the FCS at Youngstown State last year. And he transferred to the Hokies back in the spring. And he's going to log down one spot. And assuming things go as normal, Taiwan Garbutt, the 6'1", 240-pound junior from Fredericksburg, would lock down the other spot. He'll be competing with senior Emmanuel Belmar to start opposite of Reed. That's how I would look at the starting defensive end position right now. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the fact that we could end up with, in a sterile tap, and it really, you know, going to be controlling this. And we could see a kind of a setup where we end up having three defensive ends and two tackles, you know, one nose tackle and, and one tackle at the edge of the A-gap. I got a feeling they're going to be doing some different stuff on the defensive line this year. I think they've got enough talent now, number one, that they got to let play. I think moving forward with Coach Tapp, Tier Link, Coach Hamilton, one thing we've seen in the last year in the recruiting as, as we move forward is the size and the defensive linemen. Now, I think the Hokies have some good players in the group this year, but they're undersized. I mean, I don't think you're going to see the coaching staff recruiting 230-pound defensive ends anymore. That's not a knock on any of the ones that we currently have. I think Taiwan Garbutt's a good player. I think he came close a lot last year, and I think he's, a, he's an impact player, and I think he'll benefit from the presence of Reed on the other side. Belmar doesn't get a lot of sacks, but Belmar's a very good effort player. I like him. He, he gives good effort against the run and the pass. I think it, behind them, you got Zion DuBose, who I think we're still kind of waiting on to, to have an opportunity. He's a redshirt junior. Eli Adams, a redshirt sophomore. He's another smaller guy that can get after the quarterback. I like him a lot. Then you get into the freshman that we that we recruit, recruited last year and two of the kids from Texas and the kid from Georgia. You got the two kids from Texas, Robert Wooten and Alec Bryant. They're on campus now, as is Justin Beatles from Georgia. In an ideal world, you'd like to see these kids redshirt, 
because it's been an unusual offseason. Let them get in a strength program for a year, then compete to play next year. And, and the addition of Reed allows the coaching staff to, to do just that. Yeah. Face it, the biggest problem that had to be solved was the big problem. And it looks like they went about attacking the big problem and are going to continue to do that. But they're going to have to figure out how to get these new bigger kids into position without snubbing and rubbing out really good talent that's smaller. So I get the feeling this season might be some innovation. We might see some actual innovation on the BC gap, you know, edges, edge rush, you know, the boundary side, the boundary side end, it might be freer. They might allow the boundary side end to not be this, you know, that stud end that you might actually have two boundary side defensive ends instead of just one on the field. You're going to see some experimentation. They have the ability to get three outside rush kids on the field with two decent sized tackles in the middle. So whether that's a linebacker that they pull up or whether that's another defensive end they pull in, that's going to be something that, that I would experiment with myself. Tap seems to be the kind of guy who, having been in the pros and played in the pros, might just try something like that because, face it, that's what the pros did with these edge rushers who are quote-unquote linebackers. They're actually really defensive ends. Tap was an effort guy when he played. He's talented, yeah. but he was an effort guy. And I look at, at the defensive end group we have now, and Eli Adams is, is the one who kind of reminds me of the, the big effort guy right now. It's not a knock on any of the other guys, but I can see Tap really liking him. Yeah, I can see it because Tap, in order to be good, Tap had to use his head. Tap had to constantly churn, constantly. That's why I loved him. I loved the way he played. Every minute he was on the field was exciting because he was always trying to figure something. He is never doing the same thing twice. He was always pushing the envelope. He was always trying, and he was always at the ball. Somehow or another, he always got his nose in somewhere around the ball. you got to love that. And I'm sure with Adams, Adams is like that. You know, Belmar was like that. He recovered the fumble in overtime for the UVA game two years ago. It's one of those things that you can't teach. It's just there. Some guys, are, you know, Dax is in the linebacker. Dax is an effort guy. He's the kind of guy that will put 110 on the field. Ashby is too. Yeah, Ashby, I think that's what makes this football team better and play better than it ever could or ever would in normal circumstances is these guys, I think part of the attractiveness of the coaches picked them up for is these guys have weeded out the guys that weren't the effort guys. If you see who's left after all the transfers and everything, guess who's left? It's the effort guys. Yes, there are a couple of kids that are just genuinely talented the Farleys and stuff. But even Caleb Farley was an effort guy. Caleb Farley changed positions twice and had to overcome a really nasty injury to get where he is. These are all effort guys, and they, they really put pride in that. Yeah, they do. And, and as we as we wind down, before we look at defensive tackles uh, uh, of the freshmen, which of the freshmen do you see perhaps breaking through and getting on the field this year? I, yeah. I think it's Alec Bryant. You know, he's, he's already about 6'4", 245, and I think he could have a future at defensive tackle for, for the Hokies. So we'll, we'll see how it goes at, at the end, but he could he could play either spot. And he did in high school, so I'm really excited about him. And Beatles is a kid that's I thought was very underrated. I'm a kind of a Fuga fan. 
I, I we'll think... get to him in a second. We'll get to him in the defensive tackles, but 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 as as we as we wrap up, I, I, I like Alec Bryan, I like Beals, I like Wooten, I like all three of those kids, and I, I think. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see all of them play this year. The, ideally, like I said, we we would hope we could redshirt a couple of those guys as like guys like Belmar and finish their careers up. Well, like I said, I'm a tackle kind of guy. I could never be fast enough to be in the end. I was a plug, <clears throat> so that's what I did. I gotta like a few good kind of guy. And a Deshaun Crawford kind of guy. Well, speaking you know, of tackles, you know, it's his position last year. I didn't feel it was a very weak position last year. So guys got on the field quicker than they would have in a normal normal season. But you had Jared Hewitt, who I think took a big step forward. Jared Hewitt's not going to remind anybody of Ricky Walker or Tim Settle, but he's another effort guy. He plays well, very strong kid. And then you have Deshaun Crawford, who came over from JUCO last year. I thought Crawford had a good season once he got in the lineup. He's a, he was an impact player at defensive tackle for the Hokies. Oh, he showed up and showed up and showed up. He was there. Suddenly you saw him again, and it's like, dang, that's Crawford again. I think you got those two guys, and then you got Mario Kendricks and Norrell Pollard, who were both true freshmen last year. Both of those kids were super impressive last year. They're both undersized. They both fit the mold of what Bud Foster and Charlie Wiles liked at defensive tackle, like the 6'1", 265-pound guys. And I don't know that's the trend moving forward, but these, this coaching staff will know what it has in those two young players. I see the starting tackles. I think Hewitt will stay a starter. I think you'll probably see Hewitt and Crawford in there. They were the best combination at the end of the season last year. When the two of them were in together, there was a lot of hustle going on and a lot of stopping things. Kendricks and Pollard, I, I think, were they may not have been as consistent as maybe Hewitt, but I think their ceiling's much higher, and, and I think their potential to impact the game more as far as getting to the quarterback and turning the ball over. So I think your top four will be Hewitt, Crawford, Kendricks, and Pollard. And then, then from there, I think you look at the one you mentioned earlier, is six foot two, 308-pound Josh Fuga of Woodbridge. Really excited about him. Then you've got Jaden Cunningham, who who redshirted last year, another JUCO guy. He's 306 pounds. That's a lot of beef in the interior that we didn't have last year. We didn't have the beef, and we didn't have the depth. Yeah, I think we've got a reason. We got a really good two deep at tackle, and a potentially good three deep at tackle, which allows. Yeah, you do because you've got to be able to pull these guys out and let them get a breath on the sideline. You just do, like I said. It's a 35-mile-an-hour car crash, Greco-Roman wrestling match, boxing match, mixed martial arts, ultra-heavyweight. It's to be able to switch people in and out on a defensive line like that means that your defensive line stays alive and stays faster. And if you don't have to step back when you put somebody in, you're so much better off. So I really think this year we might have a better run-stopping capability than we did last year. Last year's run-stopping capability was two out of three downs, and we need to have three out of three downs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested in seeing the, the scheme that we play as well, like if it's going to be similar to what Bud ran or it's going to be more of a traditional 4-3 type of defense where you got more size on the interior. I'd like to see the bare front reappear. Well, that puts us at the end of the defensive line, which, like I said, is the most probably the most interesting unit with the most interesting promise. Then we have kind of the most boring unit because we have special teams. Now, 
we know with the, our history, with Tech's history, with special teams and Frank Beamer and the 25, which will be back, you know, the best special teams guy will be, will be sporting the number 25 again. But we had a surprise this year. Of course, we have our, our guy from Sydney Secondary College who's already graduated, believe it or not. He's a grad, graduate. I mean, he might be working on a second degree. But Oscar Bradburn is putting foot into it for one more year for us. It was year of eligibility. And that is a special thing. He was nominated for the Ray Guy Award again, and he probably might, he barely missed it last year. He was I a think, finalist last year. Yeah, he was a finalist last year. I think he was number number three or number tied for number two or something. And the only thing that really hurt him was the fact that his average was short, which isn't really fair because his average was short because when he was punting, we were at the 50-yard line. And so his punts didn't need to be long, but what they needed to be was deadly. And they were, and they're going to be deadly again this year. Yeah. I don't fancy myself an expert on punters, but we all know that two of the most important aspects of punting is not your average. And he did a, he averaged 47 yards a kick, which is really good, but yeah. his hang time and how many punts you get inside the 20, three years of, at Virginia Tech, he's nailed almost 70 punts inside the 20. That's a dangerous weapon. That is the essence of the coffin corner. That is the essence of Ray Guy who was the guy that the whole coffin corner was built over. Ray Guy didn't kick to any receiver. Ray Guy kicked to a spot on the field, and that spot on the field was inside the 10-yard line and out of bounds. Ray Guy kicked the roof off of stadiums. Yeah. He literally kicked the roof off of stadiums. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to be considered for that award, you got one heck of a foot and control over it. And that's the thing that counts is he's got control over that kick. He knows where he's going to put it and he puts it there. One of my favorite uh, highlights as a kid was always going back and seeing those highlights from Ray Guy punting the ball in the Superdome and hitting the ceiling. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was, that was, now that was the old Superdome too, where the, the ceiling was a little bit lower before they did all those modifications. But guys like hang time was like, you could, it was a calendar. It wasn't even a, you know, a stopwatch. You, you literally pull the calendar out to wait for the ball to come down. Reggie Roby, I remember the old punter for the Dolphins and Redskins, Reggie Roby. He always wore a watch on his wrist and he would punt the ball and look at his watch as a kind of way to show you, hey, look at my hang time. Yeah, little interesting thing. Look, talk, talking about punters. Yeah, that's really cool. But the pleasant surprise, we know Bradburn's not a pleasant surprise. Bradburn is going to be very greatly missed when he isn't playing for us anymore. Yeah, because but, punter was an issue in between the last couple of years when he left. We'd always had a good punter, and then we kind of had some some issues before Bradburn. He kind of kind of sealed yeah. the deal there. Now, as we transfer, we probably spent more time on the punting position than anyone in America. So I think we should probably transition over. We talk about Brian Johnson, who who I thought two years ago, I didn't think he should be the kicker. And I thought Jordan Stout should have been the kicker. And Jordan Stout ended up going to Penn State, hitting a ridiculously long field goal. But then last year, Brian Johnson took over and did a great job. I think he hit 83% last year. He had a 50 yeah, he down. Now he's on the to he's on the watch list for the what I call the Tophie. The Groza. The Groza Award. Now, for those people who don't understand why I call it the Tophie, I'm Italian. Lou Groza's nickname was the Toe. 
So that's why I call it the Tofi. And he actually played like offensive line besides being the kicker. But he was a heck of a straight on kicker for the New York Giants. So if everybody understands what's going on with the kicking position, it is the most pressure filled position on the field for somebody who's not a classic football player. When you got that field goal kicker out on the, you need those three points or you need that pat, you know? So the Shadley, we missed the rest of the special teams guys, but Oscar Shadley, who delivers that snap to the holder, which happens to be Bradburn, and then as Johnson kicking the ball is probably the most important, difficult relay in football. And Shadley has been nearly perfect since the time he stepped on the football field as a long snapper. I mean, you've got to admire a long snapper. He's passing the ball. 100% accurately, every single upside down for every single game, you know, every single time he touches it. So I got, I got to hand it to Shadley. He's a big kid. He's actually, is a Florida from Naples, Florida. So it's not going to be hot for him this year, I guess. (laughs) And then we got John Parker Romo, who's going to be leaving us at the end of the year too. And he's gonna he bounds into the ball, and he's our kickoff specialist. And as the kickoff specialist, he manages what what is it? What was his percentage last year? Like ninety three percent or something touchbacks? Yeah, he's a very good. He's a he's a, a weapon to have him. You know, now I don't like giving somebody the twenty five yard line if it's the pros, but if it's college and they're stuck back at the twenty five yard line and they got to go seventy five yards every single time. That's a kickoff specialist that you want to have. Right. Well, that's special teams. I mean, there's some other new guys that are coming along. They've got a couple of kickers, just Mark Applegate, that maybe we'll see something of. I know that there's a punter that Justin Pollock is a long snapper. Some Some of the other kickers are also punters. I know Romo is actually the backup punter. And he's actually got a good foot punting. So, you know, if anything happens to Oscar, God forbid that Romo could actually put a foot in the ball as a punter too. And then, of course, Bradbird's been working with him. So I love this special teams unit. They seem to have a lot of enthusiasm. They don't just kind of hang around. They're a part of the team. They're part of what goes on. And they get pumped up just like everybody else. And everybody appreciates them which doesn't always happen on football teams. You know that. I mean, Shane Grant, it it might have been the first kicker in the history of Virginia Tech to be treated as a regular football player. I don't know. But, of course, Grant won so many games for us at the last minute or were so critical in in certain situations of turning things around. Of course, that, that led to a very long and very successful pro career. You know, it's another one of those things. We've got an end of a show. I could kick it over to you. Is do you have anything else? Or we? No, but I think we. I think we about covered everything. Yeah, I think we got the rosters all covered. Between you know, this is the last one of these. We'll probably talk about. Hopefully, have the season to talk about next time. So Absolutely. we'll see what the new schedule is going to be. Absolutely. That should wrap us up tonight as we covered the defensive line and the special teams units. And, John, do you have any final thoughts before we close the show? 
No, the only thought that I have right now is the same thought I always have at the end of the show, and that is go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.